at the end just for you. It'll be really good. Hey, if you have your Bibles, grab those. We're going to be in Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5 is where we're going to be tonight. I hope you are having a great week. We're in the middle of the week, and I love coming and seeing my church family. And uh, it's so fun to see what God's doing around here. We had a lady... Um, I'm looking around the room to find out if anybody's, there's a lady that uh, comes to our church named Diane. She's such a sweet lady. And she and a few of the other ladies have started going to the nursing home and ministering over there. And um, yesterday, one of those ladies, Vicki, has been talking to another lady uh, about the Lord and who's a young lady who's in the nursing home for some health reasons. Anyway, long story short, they got to lead her to Christ yesterday. Isn't that awesome? And uh, I think it's really cool. Yeah. That's pretty fun. So it's cool to see people getting saved. And I think we're baptizing at least three on Sunday um, and hoping to do more. But anyway, God's so good and uh, he's doing a lot around here. And I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, do you, ha have you ever had a decision in your life that was very like stark, like I could either go this way or I could go this way. Anybody ever have that? Okay. Yeah. We've all had situations where that's probably been the case. Vicky seems to, used to really connect with that question. You okay. All right. I noticed that you guys keep moving further and further back. And now you're laughing nervously about that. I don't know how, if I'm supposed to be offended. I do bathe regularly, so I noticed Marie, you're way far back there, Marie. Okay, she's trying to meet everybody. I thought I was trying to nickname you Front Row Tritco. That's what I was trying to do. This is her last name. Anyway, there are times in life where we have, this is recorded. I'm so sorry that this is on the recording, my bad. <laughs> this is the kind of the, the amazing content you get on our podcast, amen? So, uh there are times when we are faced with decisions. Some decisions are uh, really, really easy to make, right? Uh, one of the things my wife did here recently, she bought a, a deck of cards uh, for us to use at dinner time. And I don't know what these deck of cards are called, but almost every single card has three different uh, questions with multiple choice on them. And you're supposed to read the question as if for somebody. So, like for instance, tonight, one of the questions was, you're going to summer camp. Which one is Mike Gentry most likely to do at summer camp? Hang glide? Throw uh, water balloons in a water balloon dodgeball? Or scavenger hunt with the group? Which one is he going to do? Who... Wait, here's what we're going to do. Ready? We're going to vote. Close your eyes, okay? Who votes hang gliding? Okay. Who votes water balloons? Okay. Who votes, what was the last one? Scavenger hunt with a group. All right, which one would you, which one would you do, Gentry? Hang glide. I'm cool with hang gliding. I'm not cool with hang falling. That, that's the part. Who got who got Mike Gentry right? Oh, you guys all know him so well. Amen. That's awesome. You said you liked heights last week. You love heights, seriously? Like 
Okay, cool, cool. What did it have to do with the lesson? I don't, we don't know, but okay, praise the Lord. So I'm saying all that to say to say choices. We have choices in life, and some choices in life don't really matter that much. Uh, you choose what you had for a, for a meal, or maybe you choose where you, but when you make certain choices, you're at, a, you're at a point in life where you can make, make these really, really big decisions. And sometimes the decisions you have to make um, really come down to um, taking a step away from the Lord or away from faith. And sometimes it takes stepping, taking a step towards faith. That there are some things that God desires for us. And when, what God, when you think about spiritual growth, when you think about growing in a way that honors the Lord, the question you have to ask is, what, what is God trying to grow in me? For sure, God wants to grow our character. Who agrees? He wants our character to grow. He, he wants our love to grow. He wants our, you can go through all the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. God wants all those things to grow. But for those things to grow, there's an underlying, there's an underlying um, attribute that really helps all those other things to grow. What God wants to grow in us is he wants to grow our faith. Because if he can grow our faith, if he can grow our belief and our trust in him, uh, then we're more likely to obey, we're more likely to go to him, we're more likely to seek him. And in doing that, if we are believing God and trusting in God, that will lead us to obeying God. And as we obey God, he will grow us and we'll make the decisions that he wants us to make. And so um, God wants to grow our faith. That's what he wants to grow in you. Are you, are you growing in your faith? It's a good question. And sometimes in, there are moments in life where for us to grow in our faith, we're brought to a point of decision and we're going to have to, where it's like, I don't know, God, if I know which way you want me to go. I don't know if I go that way, if that's going to be easy for me. It may be harder for me. And God, in those moments, God, God wants us to take that leap of faith. What decisions have you had to make in life that took a step of faith. I, I want to tell you tonight that faith begins with a call to follow Jesus. God wants us to follow Christ. And uh, I want to talk about three different leaps that we're going to see here in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Three different kind of leaps that God expresses. And when I say leaps, I, I, I don't know how much I love that, that key word. Although uh, three different steps, another, another way of thinking about that. You're like, well, you wrote it. I know, but I'm still editing as we go, right? But God wants us to definitely take steps towards him, to take a leap of faith. And so this is interesting. This is exactly what's going on in Jesus' call of the disciples. Uh, Jesus had 12 disciples for sure that he's, the Bible says he ordained the 12, that they should be with him and that he would send them forth to preach. But that didn't just come like as a, as a, um, you know, he didn't take out applications. There wasn't a, um, there wasn't a long line of people trying to follow Jesus. He went after people. That's what we're going to see in Luke chapter 5. Jesus has this encounter with a guy that you guys know and I know uh, from the scriptures whose name is Peter. And in Luke chapter 5, we see Jesus begin to work in this guy's life. And um, we can see 
Peter taking steps towards Christ. Now, let's look at this uh, uh, passage, Luke chapter 5, and we'll start in verses 1 through 3. It says this, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Okay, pause. It's always good for us. And this is audience participation. Who's ready? Who's with me? It says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, who is the him? Jesus. Why do you think it's Jesus? That's exactly right. Give me a, give me, this is, who's, who wants to learn how to interpret the Bible pretty well? You guys want to grow in that? Okay. Give me a reason in the passage why we know this is Jesus. Okay, cool. Very good. I'm kind of being I'm kind of being a jerk. I want you to look at before this. Yeah, there you go. Look at chapter 4, verse 43. It's not up there. I'm sorry, Dave. Do you have a Bible? Do you own a Bible? We can get you a Bible out in the bookstore. Oh, you got one right there. Okay. In chapter 4, verse 43, who's speaking? Who's speaking? You guys have one of those red letter, red letter Bibles? You got one of those? My, my, I have one too. And, it, and he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for the, therefore I am sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. So we know this is Jesus speaking. When we get to chapter 5, it's still Jesus, right? And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. So if I was going to put some arguments in here, I'd say it was just talking about him. Chapter 5, he's the one preaching the word, right? That's, that's what you said, right, Kevin? Was it you or was it you? It was him. Well, Dorn, too. You all get credit. It's fine. Okay. So we know this is Jesus, and we know that people are just on him. He's, where is he at? You guys talk. He's at a lake, Gennesaret, right? And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them. So you have two boats that are there at the water's edge. The fishermen weren't there. What were they doing? They were washing their nets. Fishermen fished back then at day or night. Night. So they've been out fishing, right? We're going to find that out later. So... If they're washing their nets, you don't wash your nets necessarily right before you go back to fishing. They're, are, they, are they starting their day or are they ending their day? They're, they're ending their day. The day is starting, but they're ending their day. And he entered into one of the ships, which was, whose is it? Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Here's the first leap. The faith leaves from self-reliance to surrender. Now, the reason why I say I don't know that I love the word leap here, and I wish I would have rethought it, is because this isn't a huge leap. This is a little baby step. This is God coming to Peter and saying, Peter, because I'm using the word, I keep using the word Peter, but the name here is Simon. God, Jesus doesn't change Simon's name till much later. Peter isn't Peter yet. He's Simon. Okay? 
when God changes your name, it usually is when you get your name changed, that's a big event, right? Anybody here ever their name changed? Okay. Well, every woman that got married in here got, you know, you had your last name changed. So obviously if you're, anybody here ever get a nickname? Crash? Who's Crash? Wow. The, <laughs> nicknames usually are not around like honorable things, you know. Anyway, so whenever you get your name changed, it's around a big thing. That hasn't happened yet. So Jesus, he is just now beginning his, this is the beginning of Peter's encounter with, with Jesus. And so Jesus sees boats, he gets up in the boat and he asks Simon, hey, would you push me out in the water? Now, Peter could have said no. He could have said, I don't want anything to do with you. He could have said but he, he obliges. He, he pushes him out there. And he says, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So this is an interesting thing. Typically in, in the Jewish culture in that day, it's opposite of exactly what we're doing. Usually the speaker sat down and all the other people were standing. Okay. I'm doing the opposite right now. And I'm frankly, I'm tired. I want to, no, I'm joking. I don't want to. But the point is, um, so the idea of him sitting down, that like kind of says, okay, he's a rabbi and he's getting ready to teach us and he's doing it from, from, the, from the water. Sometimes, you know, uh, especially in the hilly country that, that he was in, the land coming to the water is kind of at a slope. So you have kind of a natural amphitheater kind of, kind of thing. Have you guys ever stood right here in this room and talked? Isn't it fun? I try to, I stand right here and if I don't have something on, I'll be talking and it sounds like a microphone. The way that this, I call this the cereal bowl. It's a kind of a big dome and the way that the sound goes, it's crazy. If you stand right here and talk, it sounds like, even when you're not mic'd, to you it'll sound like your microphone. It's kind of strange. I've been in this room and um, been with people who I'm showing that to for the first time. I say showing. I'm letting them hear it for the first time. And they think, oh, I'm, I'm mic'd up and everybody can hear me. And then they're trying to talk to Deb and Deb has no clue that they're, <laughs> they're being talked to. It's also kind of strange. I, you guys see me play guitar over here. There's been times where I, this is where, this is why I think this church doesn't gossip that much. Because I've sat right at that chair right over there and played my guitar or I was sitting there at the same time the choir was up here and on Sunday nights, or sorry, Sunday mornings before uh, they sing through in the morning, they'll be taking prayer requests. I've sat right there and couldn't make out one word they were saying, a prayer request. But somebody's standing at the sound booth right there and I hear every word they're saying to the person next to them because the way that the sound bounces, uh, kind of crazy. Same kind of effect here, not the cereal bowl effect, but the idea that they don't have microphones back then. They don't have, guy has to project. And so Jesus is sitting. He's sitting on the boat, out on the water. Have you ever noticed sound carry over the water, over a body of water? So that's what's happening. Jesus is starting to teach. In the business world, we often hear adages like, make sure the right people are on the bus. For Peter, it was important to have the, uh, the right person on the boat. At the beginning of the story, we see Jesus, the Word of God in flesh, teaching a crowd of people, and Peter doing what fishermen do. Then Jesus asked Peter for a favor. At, a glance, at first glance, it was just a little thing. Can I borrow your boat? 
often Jesus calls us into adventure, into what he wants to do in our lives, and he does it slowly. He invites us to take one step, then another, and then another. And it's important as we chart our lives that we make sure that we that the right person is in the boat. Jesus calls us out of the ordinary day-to-day into a life of adventure. It's so easy for us to cling to, uh, to what is familiar to us, to cling to what is always there, uh, always easy. Uh, Peter was a fisherman. That's what he knew. And Jesus is about to ask him to, t- to into a life of surrender, into a life of, hey, leave your nets and follow me, right? This is a big deal. And Jesus starts out with just a little thing and he leads to the next. So we see that in, we see that in Jesus, we see that in Peter. And it's going to be an amazing amazing thing. Now, let's look here. Faith leaps from self-reliance to surrender. Number two, faith leaps, leaps from compliance to obedience. From compliance to obedience. Look at what it says here in um, verse four. Now, when he had left speaking, he's speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon Peter answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Now this is an interesting passage. These guys are, we've already established, they're done with their fishing. They've been doing it all night. They're cleaning up their nets. Uh, They're putting things away, right? it's, It's time to be over. While we've been washing our nets, we've been listening to you, Jesus, teach. It's kind of nice to have a radio show, a podcast going while we're, while we're cleaning. That's pretty cool. We're, we're learning stuff from you, Jesus. But, but we're done. It's like after this, we're going home to rest. And had they had a good night or a bad night? If, if you don't catch fish as a fisherman, you had a bad night, right? Um. There's some nights we go out visiting and we're trying to reach people, we're trying to talk to people and nobody's home. It's a lot funner to talk to people and lead them to Christ. It's pretty fun. So, yeah, they'd gone out, they hadn't caught anything, no one's home. I love Peter's answer here, kind of. He says, and Simon answering said him, Master, we've toiled all night. And have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. That's fine. I'll do it. They get in the boat. They go out. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And their net broke. Okay, let me ask you a question. If you're a fisherman and the way that you live is to catch fish, what kind of nets do you have? You, you want to be able to keep whatever you can get, right? Bigger nets means more fish. I'm sure there's a place where that breaks down. But the idea is you don't, they're not like taking little doily nets. You know. Oh boy, caught a minnow, right? They've got big stinking nets that they're, have you ever seen somebody do any kind of net fishing? And like the best guys, they can like throw it out there like a frisbee and they cast this, you cast this huge, 
area, and then you pull it back in, and you're trying to, so that's what they're, that's what God tells them to do. Hey, let down, they, he says, let down your debts for a drop. That's an interesting way of doing it. So they, okay, we'll do it. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, so much that their nets break. If the nets are breaking, that is a huge haul, right? Because they're not used to having the net at full capacity, at beyond its capacity. That's who agrees that would be a great day of fishing if that's what's going on. So, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. That's a fun. When you need more help when you're catching, my, my dad and uh, is a pastor there in Cherry Street. Uh, there's a guy named Ray Adams that's uh, one of his associates at the church. He's been a longtime um, friend of our family. In fact, he introduced my dad and my mom. Kind of cool. But they like to go fishing, and there's a couple places they know of. They've never taken me, which is fine because fishing is the worst. Um, can't think of anything more boring. I, I think I would like this, though. They, they catch. They, Dad said there's been times where they've gone out and they're fishing like with poles. And every cast, they're, they're bringing in fish. Like every, how many did you catch? We caught 237 today. Holy cow. And they, but then they throw them back. Like half the time they throw them back. But they're just catching. It's like, if there's no skill to it, what's the point? They're catching. That's the point amazingly so when you're doing that it doesn't even feel like work when you have that much but they bring those guys over hey come help us it says and they came and filled how many both of the ships so that they what's they both of the ships began to sink now like was this a natural or is this supernatural of course it's supernatural when you go fishing like this, do you stay near the, sh the shore or do you go way out? Where are they? They're not way out. They're near the shore. They're not, they're not out in the middle of the lake. They're, they're nearby, right? That's not where you can. That's where the little fish are. They, they're out enough to get those fish, but that's crazy. And then you don't, like, cast one time. But that's what they did. And they're just hauling all of these fish in so much that both of the ships began to sink. Wow. That's pretty cool. What did Peter do? What did Simon do in this moment? Well, sorry. In the, in the whole verse, what was, what did, let's ask this question. What did Jesus do in this section? Okay. Did Peter get all those fish? Because he's a good fisherman. Okay. No. Who brought the fish? So, so who, what did Jesus do? He gave them the fish. Jesus did the miracle. What did Peter do? He kept them. High five, Amy. 100% he kept them. That's a great answer. Not the one I was going for, but that's a good answer. 
He kept the fish. He ate the fish. He sold the fish. Correct. That's what he did. What did Peter do to get the fish? He obeyed. Why did he obey? He trusted Jesus. I don't really get it, but okay. We've done it our way and got, we'll do what you want. Because, and it even says, at thy word, I'll let it down. If you think so, all right. So he doesn't do anything other than just obey. Do you think that maybe he, do you think he was super enthusiastic when he first started? I have a feeling he probably wasn't like, all right. I, you ever have somebody ask you to do something? You're like, I don't believe that this is going to work, but okay. This happens to me when I'm like trying to fix something. And I've done it seven times. And then someone comes up behind me and is like, have you tried that? I'm like, have I tried? Of course I've tried that. Like in computer world, like, have you reset it? Right? Did you turn it off and turn it on? Well, I never thought of that, you know. I'll do it this time. And then the time I do it when they're watching me, that's when it works. Does that ever happen to you? I hate that. Am I complaining in church? That's probably what's going on. But just let down your nets. Just go out a little bit and let down your nets. Uh, so he probably just, okay, I'll do it because you want me to do it. And then when he does it, probably not enthusiastically, here comes all these fish. Come on, guys, let's get it. And too much to the point that their, their, their stuff is going down. Just crazy. So God does his part. And Jesus does his part after Peter believes and obeys and takes that step of faith. Not just compliance, but obedience. And then it's just amazing what happens. Now, look at verse number, this is amazing. Go to verse number eight. Faith leaps from selfish pride to humility. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Peter had some of his, Simon, I keep calling him Peter. Let's remember right now he's Simon. This is before transformation. This is on his journey towards transformation. Do you think Peter had any of his, Simon, do you think Simon had any of his identity wrapped up in the fact that he was a fisherman? Of, of course, just like, just like all of us met, one of the first things, there's a gentleman in here tonight that's a, a new person. I asked him, what's the first couple questions you ask somebody when you meet them? Dude, this is what dudes do anyway. Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? Why? Because we find out something about the person by what they do. Do you think Peter's wrapped up in being a fisherman? Of course. So when the Jewish rabbi says, have you considered this fishing technique? technique. It's the same as like me as a preacher going, have you thought about spark plugs? Dustin. Alternator. You're not twisting it right. Dustin about broke his back helping me put an alternator in my van. Pre preachers aren't auto mechanics, right? And so when somebody's like, get, so you can imagine that's what's going on in Peter's mind. Like, okay, he's, he's wrapped up. I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. This is my boat that you're sitting in. These are my nets. 
I've already done all the techniques, Jesus. We tried everything last night, and we didn't catch anything. But at your word, I'll let down the net. And when he does, huge amounts of nets, right? Look at his reaction. It's amazing how when God works, and all of a sudden you get success and you know it's not you, how it humbles you. Look at verse number 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. The saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. I'm changing your vocation. I'm changing your vocation. Your identity is not going to be wrapped up in just fish. Your identity is going to be wrapped up in following me and going where I go, thinking like I think, learning what I know, and doing what I do. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to reach people. And so he says, my agenda, Peter, in your life is for you to catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed Jesus. They were at a crossroads, weren't they? Do I stay doing what I'm doing or do I start following Jesus? It's interesting. A couple things strike me real quick. Kind of interacting with what I've been studying lately. Did Simon need to be humbled? We have controversy. Oh, is that what you said? Okay, you didn't say no. I feel a lot better about you. High five. We all do. Can you be taught and be prideful at the same time? Right? Not very successfully. To be taught by definition means that you have to be teachable. And to be teachable, you have to believe that there's some things you don't know. You have to believe, and here's what I've, I'm, I'm learning as I get older. You can learn something from anybody, right? So for, for Simon to be taught, and here's what's crazy. Does Simon know at this moment, he knows, I'm, I'm talking about before this experience, who's the better fisherman, Jesus or Simon? Right? Is Jesus' identity wrapped up in being a fisherman? No. Is Simon's? Yeah. So in that moment, if you're looking at their experience, you're going, everybody there is probably going, well, who's the better fisherman? Not the preacher. <laughs> Simon, Right? Simon owns the boats. Simon has the nets. He's probably got the, I don't know. I imagine tattoos on fishermen. I don't know why. He's got the gear, right? 
That's the fisherman. That's the preacher. They're good at speaking. They're good at fishing. He uses a set of words. They use a set of words. Are you with me? Okay. So, at that point, but, what, but who's better? Who's the better fisherman? The one who spoke the fish into being. Right? So, he doesn't, he, Simon already knew that Jesus could teach him about things of God. He was learning that while he was listening to the preaching. He probably doesn't think that Jesus can teach him something about fishing. So if there's anything I'm an expert at, I'm an expert at fishing. Here's what I'll tell you. God knows more than you knew about anything you know. He does. He knows what's going to happen in your future. He knows what happened in your past. He knows your heart better than you do. He knows your story better than you do. Do you think that your life was affected by your great-grandparents? Of course it is, at least to some. Who knows your great-grandparents better, you or God? Right. Psalm 130. You guys are getting a preview of where I'm going to be sometime in the next couple months. Psalm 130. In my mind right now, this connects. It may not connect by the time I get done teaching it, but this is cool. Psalm 130 is a, all the Psalms are songs. You know that, right? They're, they were written intended to be sung. Some Psalms, um, there are Psalms of lament. You know what lament is, right? Lamentation. It's, it's a, a song of a cry. It's crying. It's sorrow. It's uh, sometimes a cry for help. Sometimes they're individual laments, meaning like this is something that was intended for one person to cry out to God because they're individually in a bad place. Psalm 130 is a lament, but it's a lament that's also a song of degrees. Do you see that in Psalm 130? There at the top, it says a song of degrees. The degrees, another way of saying that is a psalm of ascents. A-S-C-E-N-T-S, I think. Ascent, like you're ascending stairs or ascending, okay? When the Jews would go to Jerusalem to worship, no matter where you went going to Jerusalem, you were ascending because it's on Mount Zion, right? Are you with me? It's, it's going up. So they, this is a song that was written for the people of God as they journeyed. They didn't journey in cars. They journeyed in groups. Remember when Jesus was coming to Jerusalem with his parents and they lost him because they would just all be traveling together? And it's kind of like what happens right here on Sunday morning. My son thinks he owns this whole building, right? And he's got a bunch of uncles and aunts and friends and family that are here. And so... I'm talking to visitors and you all, and so if you guys see my son like climbing the ceilings, like you have permission to yank him down, okay, and then come see me. Some of you, not all of you, okay. But my, my point is they would go as a group, right, and, and that's what was going on with Jesus. They, got, they lost Jesus, but they didn't really lose him because it's the whole family that's going together, and somebody's got their eye on it, right? 
So this is what they would sing on their way up. So it's a lament, but it's a lament not just for one person. It's a lament for the whole community of faith. This is like for everybody to sing. And uh, I'm so excited I'm going to do this series on some of these psalms. And and then we're going to sing the psalms. There's people that have taken these psalms and made them into songs today that we can sing. And uh, this, this song of this psalm is, I will wait for you. I will wait for you on your word. I will rely. It's so good. That wasn't good. The song is good. Read verse 1. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Um, Depths, the sea, to the ancient Jew, they would refer to this. And this was also ancient Near East. This was true in some of the Greek mythology. The ocean was like this, like, potentially barbaric place that would just foam and roar. I mean, you think about, you think about the risk that it would take to get on wooden boats and go out into the middle of the Mediterranean or the middle of the Atlantic. There's a reason why, there's a reason why that most of Europe and the Middle East didn't make it to the Americas so much later. Why? Because who's going to go out there into all of that, right? Are you with me? So when it says, out of the depths I cry to you, he's saying, like, in the middle of the chaos of the difficulty, I called out to you. Are you with me? Do you get that? Do you get that sense? Lord, hear my voice. Let thine eyes be attended to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? What is he saying? So when you put all that together, what he's saying is, I done messed up. I have sinned. I've done wrong. And in doing wrong, there's chaos. Anybody ever been there? I've messed up and now I'm dealing with the consequences of my actions. Are you with me? You're going to hear this again, but it's okay. It's fine. So he says, and it's in that moment that I cry to you and I need you to listen to me. And here's what I'm just admitting to you. If you're going to hold people accountable for their sins... We're all in trouble. And I'm admitting to you I've done wrong. I love this. But, verse 4, are you with me? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? He's saying... Even though I'm guilty, and even though there's chaos, and even though there's difficulty, I'm crying out to you knowing that you're the one person who isn't guilty that's going to hold me accountable. And I'm calling out to you because I know you're the one that will forgive me. Because, he says, that thou mayest... Be fear. When you think of the word that, what's that mean? There's forgiveness with you for a reason. What is that reason? Why are you a forgiving God? So that you'll be feared. Another way of thinking about fear there, respected, honored, considered, worshipped. I think that's what's going on with Peter. 
I think Peter's realizing, I'm nothing. He's something. Are you with me? What does he say? Go back to that, go back to that passage there in Luke chapter 5. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When Peter realizes who this person is, I don't even know if he totally understands it all. He calls him Lord. If he thinks this makes him Lord, just hang on, Simon. You're going to see some stuff. Are you with me? This is before the transfiguration. This is before all the healings. This is before death, burial, and resurrection. Right? And Peter in this moment is being humbled and realizing, hey, this guy wants me to believe in him. And to do that, I need to be humble. And so he falls on it. And I don't even know if he's thought through it all like that. It was just a natural response. What is going on? This man may be more than a man. He's worth following. Jesus says unto him, I love this, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch, catch men. And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I thought about how do you, it kind of feels, have you ever been reading this passage or reading any of the gospel? All the gospels have some kind of account of those guys leaving and following Jesus. Um, Stephen Curtis Chapman has that uh, song years ago, like from the 90s, 80s. Um, I, we will abandon it all for the sake of the call. And I, I remember listening to that as a, as a teenager going, how did they know to just like leave their jobs and just go start following Jesus? How, in just one or two encounters, I think a couple things, okay? I kinda, this, I've, the gap has been bridged a little bit for me. And I've told some of you about this before, but it's worth considering again. One is, there was a discipleship culture in Israel. There were a lot of rabbis, right? And these rabbis would look for disciples. And disciples were looking for rabbis. And so they'd come to them, and they would essentially be tested and proved. And if you made the, if you made the, the grade, um, then you would, they would say, basically, follow me. And follow me... That word, that phrase, follow me, had a cultural context. Much like, I've used this illustration before, but when you say Semper Fi, what group of people do you think of? Marines. That phraseology goes with that group of people. Well, in a very similar way, follow me was culturally understood to mean become my disciple. And that was an honorable thing. Like, if you did that, then you didn't do the fishing part. You didn't do what your parents did. You followed a rabbi. When Jesus says to them, similar, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, what he was saying is, hey, you can switch your occupation. You don't have to be a fisherman. You can follow me and go where I go and do what I do. They understood that that meant 
that they were not going to be fishermen full-time anymore. The other thing that maybe you haven't considered, that this was happening, that was happening here. How could they leave? Did Peter have family? How do you know, how do you know Dave, he had family? We know he had a wife because his mo- mother-in-law was sick, right? So there's a family. Why is he fishing? He's paying the bills. To Amy's point, he's keeping the fish. And then he's selling the fish and he's making the money, right? How is he going to finance his discipleship and follow Jesus and go where he goes and does what he does, do what he does for the next three years if he's not fishing anymore and his kids need fed? How's he going to do it? Consider the load of fish that just got into the boat. Who agrees? If you've got the inventory, you can sell some fish. I think what happened here is that this wasn't just a, wow, look what you can do with fish. I think what, he, I think what Peter was realizing is, my college just got paid. God's called me to go to Bible college. God's called me to go to seminary to get equipped to go do what he wants me to do. And I can do that and provide for my family because, and and by the way, if that wasn't enough for a year or two, I'm following Jesus who can apparently do this again. Does that make sense? So I think those are all the things that are going on. He says, follow me and I'll make you catch men. And he realizes, obviously, this is about ministry. It's about people. But it's also about the fact that this person can actually take care of me, take care of my family. And here's what I want you to know. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't work. If you don't work, you don't eat. It doesn't mean that sometimes God's provision doesn't happen at our own hands. But who gave you the ability to work? Just like, well, who caught the fish? Peter caught it. Who provided it? God did. So I don't know what you're going through right now. Some of you I know what you're going through. Not all of you. I know this. If you'll just give God your faith, that it gets expressed in simple obedience. God loves you. God loves you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. You're like, well, sometimes people still get cancer and die. If they believe in Jesus, they're having a good day today. Sometimes the job gets lost. Sometimes that, I'm, not, I'm not preaching a, if you love Jesus and follow him, he's going to pay all your bills. All the, That's not what I'm preaching. What I'm preaching is that you can trust Father God. You can follow Jesus. And when you do, be wise. Invest in the future. Do what you're supposed to do. But, know, but that's not where your hope is. Your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in him.
He loves you, cares for you. And life is so much fuller and so much sweeter when we just take simple, take simple things. It begins with a call. Follow me. And when he does it, it's so cool because here's what happens. Some, so much of the time, what he calls you to go through ends up being what he uses you to do in somebody else's life. That you are able to look at somebody and say, I've gone through what you're going through, and you can trust God. And he uses the, the suffering and the difficulty and the, the mess that you went to, through to use it in somebody else's life. One last thing, and I may be getting ahead of where we're going to go in this series. You remember when, remember when Jesus died and then he rose again? Peter tells a couple of the other disciples, hey, I'm going fishing. Remember that? Towards the end. And uh, they're fishing. And uh, they're out in the boat. The Bible says that Peter was naked. I mean, probably, but he just had his just shorts on, or what would be like shorts today. He didn't have much on. And uh, I think this was supernatural too. Jesus comes out, the resurrected Jesus comes out to the, the water and sees them fishing, which is, they had just gone through Bible college. They had just gone through seminary. They just had all that discipleship that happened. And so that part of it was over, but there was a couple more lessons Jesus had for them. And, and he comes out to the shore and he says, children, do you have any meat? Which when you're saying that to a fisherman, he's like, have you caught anything? And what if Peter must have really not been a very good fisherman? At least not when Jesus had something to teach him. Do you have anything? No. Let down your nets on the other side. So this is at the end. At the beginning of discipleship, hey, why don't you put, we haven't caught anything. Well, put your nets in anyway. Do you have any meat? No, put your, and he must have also been slow because he doesn't go, oh, it's Jesus, right? He doesn't know. He, but okay, and they put their nets on the other side, and what happens? Same miracle. And at that moment, it's Jesus. And the Bible says they don't even wait to row in. He dives in and starts swimming after Jesus. And when they get there, Jesus has already got breakfast, some fish. <laughs> They didn't catch anything. Jesus has already caught a fit. Are you, that's kind of, that's funny. Come on, that's kind of funny. And that's when Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times. Same amount of times Peter had denied Jesus. But this time he was Peter. I'm getting it right. He had gone from Simon to Peter. And he says, feed my sheep. And the one that denied Jesus could abandon fishing once and for all. And God used him. He wasn't the Pope. He did not. He was married. That wasn't it. But God did use him. The first half of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, is dominated by Peter 
and those other apostles being used by God to bring. He's like, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. First time he preached, he reached the 3,000 people get saved. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking the bread and prayer. God, Jesus had told Peter, you're going to do greater things than I've done. I think Peter's like, what? <laughs> what? I've seen what you can do with fish. I've seen you raise people. For, what do you mean we're going to do greater things? And God used them to, to reach all those people and disciple them. And frankly, God used Peter and obviously Jesus to get the gospel to where we are today. It's better. Jesus' plans for your life is better than your plans. So let's follow him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? We're going to go into a season of prayer. Brother Dave's going to come and uh, pray with us. But I don't know where you're at tonight. I do know that God's desire for each of us, for all of us, is to be teachable, to be humble, to realize that God's primary concern for your life may not be your happiness, it may be your holiness. <laughs> it may not be for you to get through everything unscathed. It may be for you to learn in the midst of the difficulty so that you can be used, so that you can be used to make a difference for him. God, we love you tonight. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for calling us to an adventure, a life of following you. I pray you'd help us to do that. I love you so much. Help us now as we go in the season of prayer to do it with uh, great passion, Lord. Give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Dave. Yeah.